So moving from the general then to, to a little more specific, um, I don't know how familiar these sorts of topics are to you when we talk about the integrated facets of sustainability. We call them issue areas or you can make up your own terminology. Um, but if you look at the sort of sustainability guidance that's out there, particular uh, rating systems such as Code Sustainable Homes, Bream and things, they tend to focus on very common areas. And if we have to structure our understanding of, of, of sustainable design, it's probably all about responding to all these sorts of issues um, in, in a sort of fairly pragmatic way. Um, <clears throat> so we won't cover all of them in detail, but I'll sort of whiz through a few, starting with climate change. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if you, you're all aware, but there are climate change scenario projections um, available at quite a low resolution now for the UK. So I think it's kilometre blocks. I can't quite remember at the moment. But effectively, the UK Climate Impacts Programme has forecast changes at a local level. And for any project you're considering, you should be able to understand what the likely changes in precipitation, temperature, etc., will be under different sorts of emissions scenarios. Um, I encourage you to always you know, have a good look and understand what we think might be happening and whether or not you agree with the scientific basis of it, um, we don't really have anything else to go on at the moment and it's definitely getting warmer. So um, it's a useful starting point um, <clears throat> in terms of our planning tools. And there's been a lot of policy released around adaptation recently. Um, and um, there's, adaptation responses are pretty simple in, in, in terms of the process. Um, it's really a matter of, of gathering information and being prepared to do something about it. Um, then actually looking at a, a project or, or a local authority's asset base on, on the whole and, and looking at the, the potential vulnerability of certain issues. So if there's lots of river catchments prone to flooding and there's lots of property near them, then there's some vulnerable places. It's, it's that simple. So that's the process of, sort of beginning to identify climate risks and perhaps trying to quantify them. Um, and then planning policy responses need to address the issues of trying to mitigate some of those risks through the way we continue to develop um, urban environments and any locations or greenfield sites uh, in proximity to any of those risks. That's a sort of mapping exercise, mitigate, try and deal with the situation. It's expensive and it's big stuff, but, uh, but the process is quite simple. Um, <clears throat> I just I put a, a couple of images there of the urban heat island. It's one of the... Uh, one of the sort of adaptation issues that we're going to see is the heating of our urban areas um, through, uh, um, through urban warming caused by daytime heating of dark urban areas um, and then the emission of that heat throughout the latter part of the day and evening, um, resulting in increased cooling loads and, and, um, and an uncomfortable environment, to be frank, for, for many people. Um, the way we respond to that, and just sort of, it's a quick example really of what's on the left-hand side. The way we deal with that is changing actually the albedo or, uh, or the reflectance of our urban environment. Less black bitumous surfaces, more uh, shiny reflective surfaces, and perhaps a bit of greenery to sort of do a bit of uh, additional cooling to those spaces. So, it's, you know, an issue like that is it can raise the temperature kind of six degrees quite easily in an urban area, so it can have a real impact on a hot summer day um, and can cause people some, some serious illness. So, uh, it's not just um, operating at the margins, this. And by, by implementing these, you know, some of these solutions in a basic way, you can really change the sort of feel. Of, um, of the experience. 